Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. We've got a great hour ahead, so I hope that you'll stay with us. Again, this is Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to KKNW 1150 AM, your talk radio alternative to those other to the other end of the dial where you're going to find people yelling and screaming and saying bad things to each other. And in this forum, and what we talk about here is what we call the four E's, education, empowerment, entertainment, and enlightenment. You didn't think I'd remember them, did you? No. So we we talk about all the good things in life and how to help yourself. Last hour, we talked about um, Ravenna Third Place, which is a bookstore, which is on 65th and Ravenna and in the Ravenna District. And they've got a great program that they put on each week, um, every day of the week. And so we encourage you to go there. And we also talked to Marsha Brixie. She is uh, the founder of Money Wise Women talking about women learning how to be more financially aware, financially independent, not that means that you're rich, but that you understand how to negotiate through all the financial pitfalls and stuff. And now... We're really lucky because uh, uh, Dr. Rhonda Hall is with us. She is a motivational speaker, and she's written a book called Drive Yourself Happy, a Motivational Maintenance Manual for Maneuvering Through Life. Dr. Rhonda, how are you? I'm doing just great, Kevin. It's great to meet you. It's great to meet you, too. Okay, so why the, uh, the title Drive Yourself Happy? Well, I tell you what, we are all driven crazy most of the time. and. Yes. If we don't do it, our kids do it for us. Uh, that's right. That's right. And um, my dad was a car guy, ah. and he collected automobiles, usually orphan cars, the odd cars. He had uh, actually, some of your uh, listeners may remember, if they're old enough, a car, a 1948 Tucker. There was oh, a yes. movie about it years ago. My dad had a Tucker. That's a car I remember riding in as a kid. So he collected all of these odd cars over the years. And as often is the case, it wasn't really until after his passing that I fully appreciated all of the life lessons that he was really passing on to me through his love of cars. And so there was one point in time after both of my parents passed that I was on a long drive and really questioning, uh, you know, like you were saying, all of the crises that had come up in your life it really causes you to reflect on your own and question what are the things that are of true importance. And so after losing both of my parents, I really found that even though um, I was at that point not quite 50, but I was really reflecting on um, how I felt orphaned, even though I hadn't depended on my parents in a really long time, having them not there, I was really missing that. So one day I was driving along and I was saying to myself as you drive along and you realize you've traveled so many miles without really remembering consciously how you've traveled them, <clears throat> the conversation that goes on in your head, what was going on in my head was, now what? What direction do you head now? Are you really satisfied with what you're doing? You're kind of at this crossroads. What's the next part of the journey? If I only had a sign and out of the corner of my eye, there was the road sign, adopt a highway. 
So it's like, yeah, yeah, there it is. And I kept driving, and it was the same question. No, seriously, if I just knew what direction I was supposed to head, (laughs) there was that road sign again. And about the fourth or fifth time that I caught it consciously, um, finally caught it consciously, it was really inviting me. It was like my dad tapping me on the shoulder. And it's like you've been looking at life so seriously, so up close and personal, maneuvering all of these crises. It's really about backing up, lightening up, taking a broader sweep at looking at life and determining from rather than being so locked up in fear, what are the things that you love to do? What are the things that you want to do? What direction do you want to head? So for, what do you do? Want to, what direction do you want to head now? And all of the road signs started jumping out with me with different metaphors and meanings other than the traditional road sign meanings for stress management. And I had been in the stress management educational self-help field in some form or another, what I say, from womb to tomb, because I had taught everything from childbirth education classes to community college, and then with the passing of my parents, got involved in hospice. So road signs started jumping out at me and really recognizing that this body that we live in, this body and soul combined together, this is our vehicle. Mm-hmm. And the automobile was designed as the metaphor for freedom. That's what was uh, what it was designed for. Uh, it allowed you to go see the world, uh, take the break, be with the family. It was where you went on the Sunday drive, and it was a wonderful thing. But what I when I started thinking about writing a book, trying to uh, capture all of the messages that my dad was sharing with me, it was I realized that every metaphor that we have embedded in our language today about an automobile is stressful. I've got my pedal to the metal. Boy, has he got a motor mouth. You know, it's like I just can't get my battery charged. I've got to hit Starbucks for a jump start. And so I recognize that we need to stop and take better care of this vehicle. We need to balance our tires, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. There's a way where you were talking about your your car the last... My poor little uh, car. Yeah. yeah. And um, I can remember a story that I'll tell you about my dad. I can remember driving with him past a friend's house all of the time, and my dad would make the comment. This was way back in high school. I would, uh, My dad would make the comment, you know, there's Randy again. He's out there washing and waxing his car, but you never see the hood up on that car. He says, it looks really nice from the outside. He said, but I'm not sure it could leave the driveway. And he'd always make the comment to me, kind of a passing comment of, you know, it's really what's under the hood that counts. And so that's where, yeah, it's nice to have the nice, shiny, wonderful-looking car. It's nice to pay attention of this physical, spiritual body that we have. It's nice to pay attention to all the doodah and be worried about how people perceive us from the outside. But it's really what's under the hood that counts. you got to take care of your your insides, be living your life from the inside out rather than from the outside in. And that is diametrically opposed to everything that we're taught as we grow up. Absolutely. And so it, it's really a major shift of gears. It really is. And everybody that I know that is in the 35 to 55-year-old age group, there is a commonality of what we all go through in that we've gone through school, we've gone, the kids are off and running, the career's off and running, and we're now deeply involved in it. We've been doing it a while. We're kind of like got our ears, you know, a little bit dry behind the ears now, and we're kind of adults and we're kind of moving forward, and we hit this wall that says, is this all there is? Is this what I'm destined to do? Right. 
Can I make a difference? There's an emptiness that we come up against because we have been living life more from the outside in rather than the inside out. If you were to take a stone and you drop it into a still pool of water, the ripple goes the from the force of the entry impact, the ripple goes from that point out. We live life as if that ripple goes the other way. We say, if I take care of all of the other circumstances, the outer circumstances in my life, then I can be happy. If I, if, if only I could change my boss, change my coworker, change the guy who's cutting me off on the freeway, if only I could take care of all of those things, then I'll get around to being happy. Happiness really is more of a choice than we like to admit that it is. And there, there are three keys to uh, how I define what it is to drive yourself happy. First of all, we define happiness as if happiness is only when things are happening right. But the type of happiness that's really durable and lasting is when we really can embrace within that container of happiness both the good and the bad things that happen in our life. Oh, absolutely. Happiness is like the sunshine. The sun doesn't disappear. Here in the Northwest, we don't always see it, but it's not that the sun no longer exists just because Sometimes of the cloud. Sometimes for weeks at a time. That's right. But we appreciate it more when it's there. And so it's really about recognizing that it's our access. So the three things that really allow us to access happiness are to know that we're at choice. If, if you and your listeners write down these 10 letters, I-A-M-N-O-W-H-E-R-E. And you string them all together. What do you read? I am now here. Good for you. How many of us see it as I am nowhere? And so it's the same 10 letters. Nobody twisted our arm on where we see the rest stops between those letters. And yet most of us get up in the morning and face our day as I am nowhere rather than I am now here. Or instead of good morning, God, it's good God, it's morning, <laughs> you know? So it's it's really about recognizing that we do have a choice. We may not always have a choice about the circumstances in our life, but we always have a choice about how we're going to view the circumstances. Yeah, but Dr. Rhonda, you know what you're asking for? You're asking a very difficult thing for people to do because that means they have to take responsibility for their happiness. That's right. That if you If you take choice as the first one, recognizing that you're not a victim, entertaining that possibility even for the slightest Oh, shortest. but that takes away all the drama. Do you know that I think that's it? People are addicted to the drama. We love to be victims. That's right. If it hadn't been for that guy, I'd be perfect now. That's right. The second one is accountability. Um, oh, we hate that word. Have you gotten a speeding ticket lately? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> well, then think way back to that okay, point. Okay, way time. back when I was, yeah, okay. When you got that speeding ticket, does that mean that you never, ever sped again in your whole driving uh, career? Well, but of course I never did. <laughs> of course not. I it, wouldn't do that. It usually means that you get a whole lot better at looking for where the radar cop is. Yes. <laughs> and That's I tell exactly you, in, right. in Port Townsend, where I uh, am happy to say that I hail from these days, in Port Townsend, we have a, a paper mache cop who holds a hair dryer, and he's got a, a paper mache canine dog, and that's how they deal with a lot of their speeders. Is they have this fake cop in the fake cop car, and the fake dog, and the fake hair dryer radar gun, and just by seeing it, people, it's the it's a fear based response. Oh yeah, to being accountable. But
but it means that we're accountable for just a brief moment. And you know what our natural reaction is when we get stopped by the cop, when we've been breaking the law that we all as a society agree is a good thing to have, his speed limits so that right. we all do that, right? Our first response is, that guy was mean to me. He should have never given me a ticket. I was only going 10 over. Right. It wasn't my fault. It was his fault. Oh, so we fail to take responsibility. Cops have their, what is it, their, um, they have their quota, quota that they have to they fill. Got, I mean, it was, he was short on his quota, so that's why I got arrested. Right. Or I got a ticket. And it's always the other guy. Right. It's never us, and we never own up to it. Well, right. not never, but a lot of us have trouble with that. We need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Dr. Rhonda Hull. We're going to drive our ourselves happy today. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald and you're listening to KKNW 1150 AM, your alternative talk station. And we're talking with Dr. Haronda Hall and she is a PhD and we're talking about driving yourself happy. Mm. That's the book that she's written and it's about the steps that you can take to lead a happier, more productive life based upon all the things that are around you. No. All the things that are yourself, right? Right, right. I I really kind of distill it down to my belief is that the greatest gift that we can give to another person is taking full accountability and responsibility for our own happiness. If we think that we need to make everybody else happy, it's not from a selfish perspective, but from that real internal basic perspective. If we really focused on making ourselves happy, doing the things that matched our values. We were just talking about accountability. It's having your words and your actions match. Um, you ha- that means you have to know it, what it is that you value. So often we're living our lives being accountable by everyone else's rules. It takes really seriously stopping to ask ourselves, what are the things that are important to us? And then balancing our decisions to reflect that. So they're, they're, we're not only living our lives trying to... Uh, live by the and meet the expectations of other people in our lives, but living also considering the things that are important to us. We may say that our families are most important, but if we're not in some shape or form by quality or by quantity of time demonstrating that our families are important to us, then we're at a mismatch. We're out of balance. So it really takes taking what your boss wants you to do, but balancing that with what's important to you, those two come together. And when your words and your actions match, then you're a happier person. You're actually more productive, more creative. Um, So by being accountable to our own uh, value-based ambition, we're going to just overall be happier. So choice, accountability, and responsibility, being able to respond rather than react. We do have that choice, and we need to be able to choose to hold ourselves accountable when we're standing in the grocery line, and the person in front of us has the 20 items in the 15 or less items line. So many of us treat that in the same way, reacting, overreacting to situations as as uh, if it were something really huge or big. And I think as difficult and challenging and overwhelming and sad as what 9-11 was, what it did is it invited us, it really kind of shook us back into redefining what true happiness really is. It's where those things became less important. We realized that on that morning, those 
people who really stood in a place of courage and responded rather than reacted to the situation were putting first things first. They were calling their, they weren't calling their stockbroker, their bookie, their dry cleaner that morning. If they had a moment, they were calling the people who mattered most to them. Mm -hmm. And so courage doesn't necessarily mean acting once your fear has disappeared. It means acting in spite of your fear. So it's choice, accountability, and responsibility are the keys. I want to touch on accountability a little bit because there are people out there going, well, you know, I'm pretty accountable for stuff, but other people don't, you say, accountable for your own values. Some folks have trouble identifying what those values are. Can you give them some help on how they can sit down with themselves and determine what is important to them? Yeah, I think we often define what we want in life by the things that we don't want. It's a peculiar thing. It is. So you ask somebody, well... um, I don't want to be in a wheelchair, for heaven's sakes. What do you want for dinner? And they say, well, I don't want chicken, or I don't want (laughs) Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) Everybody loves chicken. Oh, that's right. That's right, the dead chicken. Um, That we often define it by what we don't want rather than what we want. Then we get to a point where we think we're asking for what we want. We say, well, I want... Uh, to be financially independent, it's because we're not wanting to be without money. So even though we're saying what we want, it's really still based upon a fear. And as long as you're still standing in fear, that energy is just kind of canceling one another out. So it's saying, okay, now that I kind of recognize where the fear point is, what are the things that I want that I'm able to kind of step out of that uh, where we just get caught in the cobwebs of fear about it and begin to feel, even though we may not know how to create it yet, what would it feel like if we were truly happy? Where would you feel it in your body rather than always trying to think our way out of it? It's it's kind of like when you have a, a, a scared dog mm-hmm. and you're, you're sitting still. Or I'll... I'll could probably relate to this more, especially if you have some moms out there. It's like when your kid has a really runny nose and you're chasing them around with the Kleenex, <laughs> you know, and you're just waiting for that moment where they're slowing down. They see you with the Kleenex. They're going to run the other way. But if you sit still and ignore them, they'll come up to you. And then it's the gotcha, you know. Yep. So it's where we just need to sit and allow. So part of it is we don't know what we want because we don't get still enough. We get really frightened when we get still, but it really is about learning how to get still enough to access what we already know on the inside. And besides, if to a couple of points here, if you put out there that what you want, you want to be financially independent, the universe is going to give you the gift of wanting. Yes, yes, that's really true. We have it's the energy. That surrounds what you're, it's not really the thinking, it's the energy. So if you say, it's like the universe is a giant Xerox machine. If you say, I want to be rich. Okay, you want to be rich. That's what we give you, the want (laughs) of being rich. Right. But if you say, I, why do you want to be financially independent? What gifts will that give you in your life that will make you happy? Right. Because it's not about the money. Well, you know, the American way is about self-improvement. We mm-hmm. think that there is something to fix. The thing that makes us happy, truly, is finally getting that it's really not about self-improvement, that true happiness is based upon self-acceptance. If we really got that we're really okay just because we're breathing, that we don't have to be thinner, heavier, we don't have to be taller, shorter, we don't have to have a bigger car, a bigger house, 
that really the durable happiness comes from knowing that you really just basically are okay because you're breathing. From that point, you can have it be part of your journey to expand and improve and broaden, not really improve, but broaden what you know about who you already are. And the sad thing is, is if to go there uh-huh. to where you're okay, uh-huh. just as you are, you can't watch TV anymore. You can't go to movies. You can't listen to any commercials. Well, do you know that, that we, if we were to, li- to base our happiness based upon the news, that, that's, that's really one of the things that part of accountability is. If, if you listen to just CNN or just to turning on the news or when we have a disaster, seeing it happen over and over and replayed and, and dramatized, that we are so focused on the fear part of it that the account, what's accounted on television, the, if you look at the homicides in Seattle, you would think by watching the news that it's not safe to walk anywhere. And yet the homicides overall, the number of homicides, have decreased by something like 16% over the past five years. But their reporting has increased by over 300%. So it seems like it's happening on every corner. Now, that's not to say that there aren't horrible things that are happening. But I think we're focusing our concerns on the wrong issues. Well, and now with the news networks... And the CNNs and the and the Fox News Network and all those guys, that's all they talk about. And on a slow news day, they got to come up with something. Well, it's- and that's where I really feel like it's our accountability to start our morning off and end our day. I kind of use it like bookends that you need to fill your soul up. You need to take the responsibility and accountability for filling yourself up to make that balance happen. That if all we listen to and focus on and pay attention to are the negative things that happen. It's like if, if let's say, 100 things happen during the course of the day, 99 of them, more or less, go right. What's the one you talk about over dinner? It's the, the one, one that went wrong. Right. If, if you drew a circle and left just a little bit of the circle unclosed, that's where your eye would focus on what's not working. And so part of one of the keys to happiness is really making the conscious choice to focus on the things that are working rather than on the things that are not working. You know, I have a, uh, we had a guest on the other day who was talking about the, uh, when you make a decision, you really need to look at it and your life choices. You really need to look at it from the position of who you'll be when you're 95 and on your deathbed. Mm Mm-hmm. Is the choice that you're making today one that you'll appreciate when you're 95? And when you think of it in those terms, it will change your whole paradigm because now it's people that have had a near-death experience or that have almost died. They say that they are changed permanently because they recognize that this isn't a permanent thing and that they need to appreciate and love every day, every hour, because that's all you have in reality. It was really true with uh, my mom, who passed maybe 18 months after my dad, she experienced about six months before she actually died, she had a perforated stomach ulcer. And oh. near, we'd nearly lost her at that point in time. So she had her near-death experience at that point. She had lived the life of an alcoholic her whole life. She had been both a, an alcoholic, a workaholic. She was driven. 
and wasn't very happy after my dad left because what you were talking about with Marsha's uh, the hour before, it, it's my mom was a very corporate businesswoman, very attuned to the business part, but she still was just really upset that my dad left first and left her with the responsibility to clean everything up. <laughs> and so she was not really a happy camper. And when she had her near-death experience, that's when the shift happened. It's where she recognized that life is too short for this. I don't know what I was doing all of that time. But when it came to the time that she had her final major heart attack and we brought her home to die, we had about two weeks with her. And at that point in time, even with all of the experience I had, I'd want to say, but mom, what about back when? Why couldn't you? Why didn't you? And she'd say, you know, I time's a waste in here. I don't know how much time I have, and I don't really want to spend my time rehashing the past. I'm here now. I may not have been there then. Can't do anything about that right now other than be present with you here. So she'd pull me back to this present moment. Then I'd say, but mom, you're not going to be here when my daughters graduate from high school. What about, you know, when they get married? What about when when I get to be a grandma and you get... And she'd say, Rondi, you know, Time's a waste, and I don't know how much time I have. All I can tell you is I'll go to Dana's graduation. I may not bring my body, but I'll be there. But I'm here right now. Don't waste my time. I'm here in this precious moment. So that's when we get that in this moment is really all we have. We may think we can plan for the future, and it's not that you don't, but it's by the quality of the moment that you create right now that foretells what your future is going to be. And my parents had a 36-foot motorhome that they bought with the intentions of traveling around the United States to see where my mom was born, the house where five generations of my dad family was born. They were always too busy. There was something that always came up. So they never got to go on that big adventure. And it got to the point where that motorhome was only used to go stand vigil for one another in the hospital. Honest to God, after they died, my sister and I, it was the Thelma and Louise trip. We took their urn. We wedged it under the back sink of the motorhome, and we took them on that trip. But they would have enjoyed it much more had they said, you know what? In the big picture, the work can wait. This stuff can't. None of all that stuff matters. It doesn't. Because all you get to take away is your memories and your relationships. Yep, absolutely. And that's that's it. We need to take a break. When we come back, I want to ask you the difference between the difference between um um oh oh the difference between something and something else. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio and Gary is having fun playing with the music bumps, but that's that that is a really good one to play right here because that's the circle of life from from uh, the Lion King and we're, that's what we're talking about really honestly is the circle of life by the way if you'd like to talk to Rhonda if you would like to shoot the breeze with us you certainly may we could talk and you could give us a call 425-373-5527 or 888-298-5569 what I wanted to ask you and I said so eloquently before the break <laughs> <laughs> the difference between something and something. Yeah, and so the- and I'm such an intuitive. Let me see if I can guess what it is. Oh, good. But I'm re- I'm really hanging on the edge of this cliff. Well, I really want to know what something and something <laughs> is through the whole break. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Well, thank what you. Could what could it be? What was that a tease or what? Yeah. <laughs> I bet you want to know about the difference between reacting and responding. Absolutely. Oh, boy, am I good. Yes. See, when you're, you you make the choice to be happy, it just opens up the possibility of intuiting stuff like that. 
Um, the, the difference between reacting and responding, all you have to do is walk through an airport or drive in a car and and have somebody cut you off. We'll take the car metaphor to the hilt is if you're driving on the freeway and somebody cuts you off in that moment, you can either react and say, you're number one. Yes, you're number one and and offer wave. Yes. <laughs> Just excluding the- a few fingers, but waving. Um, you can either, that's reacting. The person who is affected by that choice is you. It doesn't really affect the other person. You may want to take it on as the, you are the sheriff who is there to hold everybody else accountable for their driving and your happiness, and you have to be aggressive in return. But like creates like. And so in that moment, you really do have the choice to respond rather than react, because truly the only person who is affected by you reacting is you. And if you have made the commitment that you want to be happy in your life, then you have to be willing to practice finding that choice point. Now, I'm not saying it's always easy, and I'm not saying that it doesn't feel good sometimes just to vent. However, the only person that you're really affecting is yourself. The same true is, is true when you're really angry at someone and you refuse to forgive them. The only one that is really damaged by your lack of forgiveness is you. You're holding the anger within you. So reacting is when you fail to recognize or fail to choose to recognize that choice point. Responding is where you say, you know, I recognize that that person has really aggravated me and that I could react in this way. And I'm now at that choice point. And that is no longer an option for me to react. I'm going to respond. And because I value my own happiness, I'm going to pretend that that person is on their way to the bedside of their dying father. Because it's in my best interest. To heck with what happens to them. I don't want my health and well-being jeopardized. I want to get home this evening. Not happy about what they did. But more times than not, I'm going to try to focus on what's working rather than what's not. I had to laugh at myself not too long ago because I was driving and I was getting mad at an inanimate object mm-hmm. that doesn't have a life and has no way of, but the stupid light wouldn't change and I kept running into I was late and every light would not change and everyone turned red and then I figured out why that was. I was being tested to see how far I, they could drive me nuts <laughs> by doing that. And so I had to laugh because nobody else was affected by that. Well, it was just me. And I had a choice to either having a good day or having it ruin my day. Absolutely. We really do. And um, it's really good to be able to laugh at yourself. Life, there really are a whole lot of things in life that are absolutely horrible, miserable, disasters, crisis, loss. Everybody is facing in their family, you know, every family has at least one crazy relative. You have, (laughs) and if you don't, you got to borrow somebody else's. Because if you don't have one, you're probably it. That's right. That's right. You know, we're all dealing with crisis. We're dealing with uh, an an alcoholic spouse, uh, a teenager with blue hair, whatever it happens to be. Everybody's got one. And so there are so many things to that we have to be serious about that I, I don't want to say choose your battles wisely because I'm just really making it part of my focus to shift out of battle mentality. But it's where you make conscious choices of where you're going to 
expend your energy. And that just isn't one that I, I choose to do. So, and yet, I'll, I'll tell you a, a story if my daughter ever hears this. It's it's where she... It's okay, there's just us. Yes, it's, it's only us. But there's, my dad had given her as a graduation present. This was actually, my mom gave it to her in honor of my dad, after my dad passed and before my mom passed, uh, a 1968 Cougar that was in mint I condition. I love that car. It was a great muscle car. It was just a beautiful <clears throat> blue, Nordic blue car. Christmas time, my daughter at that point was living in the Bay Area. I was living up in South Lake Tahoe of California. And I was coming down for Christmas. Before I came down to visit my kids, my daughter had visited the mall, had done some Christmas shopping, put her presents in the trunk, gone back into the mall, came out. Not only were the presents not there, her car was gone. Somebody had stolen her car. I had gotten to the house before she had. My oldest daughter had put up a huge Christmas tree, bigger than the stand. Just before my daughter walked in, the big Christmas tree fell over, (laughs) didn't hit me, didn't hit the dog. I'm doing my best to focus on I'm alive, the dog's alive. Christmas, our whole life of Christmas ornament memories are splattered everywhere. She comes in the door, and she's just irate. She says, you know, my car's stolen first, and now the tree, and life just sucks. And I said, oh, but I'm fine. The dog's fine. She says, Mom, can't you just give me three days to grieve the loss of my car before I have to turn it into a blessing? (laughs) it's it's, It's not that we need to stuff all of that pain. You can't really change what you don't acknowledge first. And we want to whitewash it. We want to pretend we don't feel it. You really do need to stop and feel it. And we need not to get stuck there. It's where, by feeling it, we need to allow ourselves to grieve it so we can move on. If you pretend it didn't happen, you only think it's gone, but you're still carrying it. So responsibility means finding that choice point in that moment to apply compassion rather than anger or upset, to recognize that you really do get to drive your own car rather than have it be driven by somebody else. Because that's the only way that you can empower yourself. That's right. We can't steer a car by pushing on the bumper from the outside. It's not nearly as effective as sitting behind the wheel and and learning the gearbox and learning how to apply the brakes and when to put on the brakes and when to pay attention to which direction to turn. And we'll make mistakes. Mistakes are only opportunities to learn. You know, but that's, again, one of the things that in our culture is a misnomer because mistakes are a bad thing. I happen to believe that mistakes are a great thing. Absolutely. But I, you know, forgive me for those of you out there who have a different perspective, but I'm a recovering Catholic. I was chased around with that ruler by the nuns. I know the shaking rosary beads. So that was really that whole fear factor thing. And it's where when when we're good because we're going to get punished, it doesn't mean that we're really making a moral decision when we make decisions. We're making a, a, a decision based upon I don't want to get in trouble. And so it's it's where that we need to somehow internalize our um, the essence of who we really are and have that reflected out in making our decisions. And that is something that only you can do for yourself by yourself. Yeah, you you. It's important to take in other people's um, to be open and willing to hear other people's perspectives. But the bottom line is, you need to make the choice because. If somebody else makes the choice for you, then you're giving yourself the out of blaming everybody else if your life doesn't go the way you want it. We have to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about 
the people that are listening who are in their 30s and 40s and are living the choices that they've made in the past and would like to change it, but boy, there's a lot of baggage to consider. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. All righty. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. We are talking with Dr. Rhonda Hall. She is a motivational speaker and the author of Drive Yourself Happy. And uh, Rhonda, how are you again? Great. I'm by, great. By the way, you're listening to Positive Talk Radio, and I can't think of anything more positive than what we're talking about today. And we're talking about self-empowerment, how to live your life a little bit better, and the book Drive Yourself Happy is really true because you have to do it for yourself. And, and some people would call that a selfish activity. I call it a self-fulfilling activity because you have to be self-fulfilled before you can fill anybody else. That's right. You can't give from an empty cup. You can't drive a car if the tank's empty. You got to stop and fill up your gas tank. However, when you make that conscious choice, and it's not like everybody wakes up one day like from birth and says, I'm going to live myself and be self-fulfilled so I can fulfill others. We go and we do and we do and we do and we do for all these people. And we end up with a great big pile of doo-doo. And that's when we figure out that things aren't working the way we'd like them to. Right. And so now we need to make these changes. And so we decide that we're going to go do that. And we start initiating and be with who we are and being the changes. Unfortunately, we've already got people in our lives and we've got a life structure that can be changed by all that, can't it? Yeah. Um, I, I think we've been so conditioned to be human doings, but we're really human beings. And so it's not we can continue to do all of the things that we do, we don't necessarily have to let any of those go. It's the difference of who we sh- how we show up, who we show up to be when we're doing those things. And if we show up being who we truly are, we may then have an easier time making a conscious choice about the doingness things that really don't match. Um, I think, too, that we are so conditioned to have it be perfect. We talked before the break about making mistakes and how mistakes, you were saying how mistakes are opportunities to learn. Edison felt the same way. And if he didn't, we wouldn't be sitting here being able to do this. He had to make a heck of a lot of mistakes before he got to the point of creating what we have today to the degree of perfection that it's created. And even then, the field of communication and and energy is always being improved upon. So it's not about perfection. Perfection really is boring. I, When people say, well, I want to do it perfect, procrastinators are perfectionists in disguise. They're waiting until they can do it perfectly before they even begin. So if we have it set up that we have to do it perfectly, we won't even start. It's in starting that you gather clues. And so the small steps are really more important than the big steps uh, I think we're, as human doings, we're also masters at self-sabotage. We create the timeline and the deadline and the pressure, and we make the stakes too big. It's where even if the step was as little as saying, I'm going to get up, and before I start my day, I'm going to read one positive quote. That's all I'm going to do different in my life. But it's going to be one positive quote before I turn on the TV to listen to CNN's take on the day, 
just that small step consistently is going to make a huge difference in your life than saying, well, I'll do it. I'm going to read 12 self-help books by the end of the month. So You'll never do that. Right, right. You'll never do that. As a matter of fact, if you want to, those that are listening, you can go to www.positive-talkradio.com and in our newsletter, we are featuring four to six really positive quotes each week. And so just click on the newsletter, go to quotes, and there you are. And it could be a nice way of starting your day in a positive way. I actually keep a handful of those types of quotes in my car. So if I'm sitting in my car at a stoplight, get really ticked off at someone, then I, I go, okay, yeah, I remember. And I may be saying it through gritted teeth, but it, it takes a while to undo a habit. You know, it's, it's anything can happen in an instant, but it's where we need to practice that instant over and over and over again. Now, and, I want to make something kind of clear here because it's not about when you get angry, hit someone legitimately or not legitimately. It's not about stuffing that anger right. and going, oh, I'm too enlightened to get angry at that man. I'm not going to do it today. It's about handling that anger and channeling it in a positive way. And that's the difference between reacting and responding. Reacting is where we let the anger have control over us. And control is only an illusion, but it's where we let it dictate what we do and say. And responding is where you acknowledge that you're angry or upset or sad or fearful, whatever it happens to be. And and generally, to me, fear and love are the only Love is really the only thing yes. that exists. Fear is just the thing that we've made up as the opposite of that. So fear and love are the only two things that exist. So anger, uh, upset, frustration, disappointment, all of those are just fear in disguise. And and so it's where by acknowledging that first, that's what uh, leads the way back to making a conscious choice. And all of our emotions are there for a reason. And all, for instance, we'll talk about guilt for a second. Guilt is a very healthy emotion because what it does is it tells you something that you've done that you're not proud of and reminds you, you know, you weren't very proud of that. Maybe you ought to not do that again. Right. And that's part of your growth and education process. Right. Stress is the same thing. It's it's kind of like cholesterol. There's good cholesterol and there's bad cholesterol. A good well, witch and a bad witch. There's good stress and there's bad stress. Aye. And so the, the good stress is what motivates us to be creative. It's what motivates us to go meet a new person. It, it's a stressful situation, but it's a positive sense of stress. It's what gets us up in the morning. But the bad stress or the negative stress or the, uh, the um, destructive stress is when it's something that we're allowing to be counter to our intended purposes that's totally off course for us. And I'll tell you what, it is all about your intention. It's how you perceive it to be. I'll use the restaurant business as an example. When you're a waiter in a restaurant, and I probably, you know, 130 million people have been waiters in restaurants or waitresses. And it's stress. It's a stressful job because you've got things you've got to do. You've got a timeline. You've got to get the food out. You've got to greet the people, yada, yada, yada. Well, if you look at it positive, I'm serving people. I'm happy. We're having fun. It's a good day. We're having a good thing. Or you can look at it as a negative. I've got all this to do. And I, that's right. And if you look at it as a negative, it becomes a horrible job. Well, that's right. And what we do is 
pulling ourselves out of the present moment. You, if you travel or in an are and are in an airport much, you overhear conversations like that where people are comparing their horror stories. Well, yeah. I had a horrible day, da da da, in my week, and my God, I've got all this ahead of me. And oh, you think that's bad? Well, let me tell you about mine. And it's where we wear a badge of honor for our stress rather than if somebody says, well, God, I'm happy. Everybody just wants to, that can't possibly be so. There's got to be something bad happening in your life. Um, so it's it's where we need not to focus there, but really stay as present moment as we can. I get that a lot, quite frankly, because by nature, and I'm told by my mother that when I was a baby, I was the type of kid that if I was in the uh, playpen or whatever mm-hmm. and somebody would walk by, I would just kind of stand there and wave and say, hi. Right. And if they picked me up, terrific. If they didn't, terrific. Didn't matter. Right. And I was a happy kid. Well, I've been happy all my life. Some people, it just darn pisses them off that I'm happy. <laughs> and I think some people, it takes less, less effort for them, less consciousness. Yes. I mean, there are personality types and... Some people are better than others at it, but I think it's something we each really do have um, influence over, and that in holding that intention, whether we do it perfectly or not, is really important. Um, Stephen Covey, who uh, wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, um, he talks about being on a uh, train in, I think it was New York, one of the subway trains that was really congested, and uh, he noticed that there was a gentleman who got on, a uh, young man who got on with his two children who were maybe three and five, gets on the train, crowded traffic, rush hour traffic train, and the kids are running rampant around the train while this guy is just sitting staring at his shoes. And Stephen Covey talks about how everyone in the train was the anxiety level was raising and everybody was saying, well, why doesn't that guy take care of his kids? Um, He's being an irresponsible parent. What's wrong with him? Everybody passing judgment. And Stephen found himself getting all upset about it, too, and saying, oh, yeah, I wrote that book. I can't get upset about, you know, I'm supposed to be figuring out resolving conflict like this. So he said, what could I do that could impact it? So he figured before everyone else on the train jumped on this guy, he would go up. And instead of just saying, you idiot, why aren't you taking care of your kids? He said to him, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware how your kids are affecting everyone else on the train. So uh, can you kind of what, what how can I help rather than getting all upset and what he found was that that gentleman's wife had passed. And he said, I am so sorry. My wife just died. I came from the hospital. I have no idea how I'm going to raise these kids. So we passed judgment on a situation not knowing the true situation that happened. We've been talking with Dr. Rhonda Hall. She has written the book, Drive Yourself Happy, a motivational maintenance manual for maneuvering through life. Rhonda, how can we get your book? I would love it if you visited my website at www.driveyourselfhappy.com. You also can get it at any bookstore. If they don't have it on the shelf, please ask them to order it. And you can also talk to us at positive-talkradio.com, and we'll get you in touch with Dr. Rhonda. Thank you so much. Hey, do something nice for yourself. Do something positive for Gary. He deserves it. Thank you very much. Rhonda, have a great day. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.